everybody. It's the CEO of the Tiny Closet Boutique, Taylor Jones, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Pialda. Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today is a business owner, former beauty queen, and she drives a hot pink 40-foot school bus. That's right. She didn't start competing in pageants until she was 18, and at age 19 was crowned International Junior Miss Teen. She competed in Miss Alabama USA for four years. Her first year as a teen, she placed top 10. The next year, she competed as a Miss and placed third runner-up, and the next two years she competed, placed first runner-up twice. She graduated from the University of Auburn in 2018 with a degree in fashion merchandising, and after retiring the tippy tops, she has continued to grow her online women's boutique called The Tiny Closet, where her mission statement is, be the CEO your parents always wanted you to marry. Taylor Jones, always great to hear your voice. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It it sounds so weird to be on here because (laughs) I'm so used to having you ask me on stage questions. That's right. So now I'm like trying to prepare myself like I'm not on stage. A lot less pressure this time. I'm not being judged. Yes, (laughs) so much more. But thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Let's talk about the 40-foot school bus. So I I know that people that follow you on Instagram know that you uh, have this school bus and you use it for business purposes. But for those who don't know anything about you, tell them about it. So we do. We now have two school buses. I'm currently like looking at one of them. So we have Tiny, who is a 40-foot yellow bird school bus she's not yellow she's hot pink and she is completely renovated inside we've got a dressing room in there we have all the racks we have like a couch for like um people that don't really want to shop and it's just kind of with everybody else to just chill hang out while people get to shop and then we also now have a 20 foot short school bus and her name is teeny so teeny tiny and she is more of yeah so i had a customer that was like oh name it teeny you'll have teeny tiny oh yeah so the little one is more for whenever we like go on maybe one day pop-ups or even whenever we're shooting like new arrivals and photos, it's easier for me to get dressed in a school bus than it is like a car. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were doing. So in the really, really cold months when we would shoot, I'm like trying to shoot spring in like swimsuits and skirts, but it's still like 40 degrees outside. So running in and out of a car wasn't, wasn't getting it. So we were like, let's get a small school bus and we'll, We'll make it work. So now we have teeny and tiny. So do you live in the school bus on the road? No, I we you we really could, but we we go and get hotels and everything, and then trying to find places to park the bus is very difficult at times. Because <laughs> how do imagine. you how do you go to a valet and say like I've got a forty foot school bus that needs to be parked? <laughs> you know, like it's but it is it's really fun. There's there's been some difficulties with buses just because it is an old school bus. That, I mean, we've had many times that gets broken down on the side of the road, but that always makes fun stories. Well, we'll get more into your uh, boutique here in, in a little bit, but I do want to talk about your pageant journey. Now, for those of you listening, Taylor Jones and I have a history together. So I host Miss Alabama USA. And as I mentioned in the intro, uh, she was runner up there twice. So we've done the onstage question a few times, as she mentioned. Oh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> let, let, let's go back to before Miss Alabama here. Now, you were international junior Miss Teen. When did your, your pageant journey begin um, and why? So when I was 18 years old, I, so what's weird is in Alabama, they're really, it's not really a pageant state, if that makes sense. Like we don't have like a bunch of county fairs. We don't have a ton of school pageants in Alabama. So being from Alabama and trying to say, I want to compete in it. The first thing everybody thought was, oh, toddlers and tiaras. (laughs) I was like, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not, that's not what I'm doing. No. So I was like. Um, I want to try this. So the very first pageant I did was National American Miss, which was NAM, and I got nothing. <laughs> and so then mom was like, oh, I'm going to um, 
put you into a little bit smaller one. So there are like little pageants here and there, but it's like maybe four or five people are in it. So then she was like, I'm going to get you to go to this pageant called Teen USA. I was like, okay, cool. What's that? Having no idea. I look back at my photos now when I competed at Teen USA. And I was like, first off, why was there no spray tan? Why is your, I mean, it was so, I look back at it out and I'm like, what am I doing? You just went rolling out it's there funny, pasty white, huh? Yes. I mean, like you should literally see the photos. Like my hair is in my face. And it was before we were allowed to have people come and do our hair and makeup. It's when you had to do your own. So like at 18, I had no idea really what I was doing. So we um, did that and I did have a place top 10, which I was like crying over. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like what? Like I was like up on stage, like in the top 10, like freaking out. So I was really excited. So then I kind of got into the groove of pageants and went to a system called International Junior Miss. And it is a national pageant where there's people from all across the world that come. Like we've had girls from like South Africa. We've had girls from Australia compete. And in 2014, I won. I won the national title and got to travel the world with it. So I got to go to London, got to go to Paris. We got to travel all over and it was so much fun. So when you compete in another system like uh, International Junior Miss Teen and you win the national title, as you cross over into something like Teen USA, um, how's your confidence in, in terms of going and do you feel like I'm going to own this thing or I don't know how I'm going to do because I don't know if it's the same as what I used to compete in? So I, I'll be so completely raw and vulnerable about this. I was very cocky after I came off that win. And I was like, oh, I was an international title holder. I'm going to win this. I don't even have to practice. Don't have to do anything. <laughs> and I went to another system as like my first year, like in this, because I aged out my first year in team because they changed like the date. It was like February 2nd instead of January 1st for that one year. And then they switched it back to January 1st. So I had aged out at 18 and I knew that one, I look, still look like a baby. So I was like, I'm not going into Miss at 18. That's not happening. So I like went to another system, tried Miss and was like, oh, I'm going to win this. I got this. And I was second runner up. And I was like, all right, let's go try USA. And so I was third runner up that year at USA. And I was like, okay, done. This is where I'm going to be. This is it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so that's where the journey with Alabama USA started. Well, I, I in particular remember that pageant. Um, so I was first introduced to you. Um, Peyton Brown was giving up her crown that year. And right. we were just sitting in the audience during rehearsals. And I said, who do you like? And she said, I think Taylor Jones is going to be tough. And I didn't know who you were at the time. And she pointed you out. And sure enough, as, as you mentioned, you finished third runner up. The next year, you come back. You've got some confidence. And, you know, look, I'll be honest. When you roll through the door, we can tell. You know, you've got that confidence. You right. feel pretty good about your chances. Uh, you finished runner-up to now Bachelorette and Dancing with the Stars champ, Hannah Brown. Yeah. Uh, talk about that. Which is crazy. Everybody has always been like, when I tell them, okay, so I'll say it this way. So I was on a Netflix show, Insatiable, and it stars Debbie Ryan. And so I was um, the girl that was like giving up her title. So I actually got to like wear like my pageant gown. I got to, like crown whoever had won. And I got to be in a, um, like a hair and makeup trailer with Debbie Ryan. And so she was talking to me. She's like, oh, have you ever competed in like real pageants? And I was like, yeah, I was like, I did Miss Alabama. And she turns to me and she was like, do you know Hannah B? <laughs> and I was like, this is so weird. Like Debbie Ryan, like, you know, like it was just so like different. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I was her first runner up. She was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. So she was like really a pageant girl. And I'm like, yeah, like it wasn't, it wasn't just for TV. I was like, yeah, she was Miss Alabama. So it was, it was really cool to like, be like, yeah, I know her. Like I was her first runner up. We held hands and she freaked out and there we go. But I think it's so cool to see where Hannah is now from like knowing who Hannah was like the year I was third runner up where Hannah didn't even make the top 15. And then all of a sudden, here she is winning Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, I mean... Like this girl uh, from Alabama, like it's crazy. Her journey is a little unheard of. And, and as you know, I've used it at pageants just to kind of tell girls, like even if you don't make the top 15, I mean, you literally can still win the next year as Hannah did. Right. Um, but, you know, I, look, I remember that one. I mean, it was... 
she kept rising through the ranks throughout the weekend. It was just one of those things where she just kind right. of stood out, and we we knew you were uh, yeah. strong. And so it was like, can she beat Taylor Jones? That's the question. And uh, you know, it, it played out as it did. Uh, talk about your feeling after that first time of being runner up. Um, did you want to come back? Were you upset? Were you like that was mine, or you were just like I, I stepped up from third runner up to first runner up? Okay, so and I, I've told people this like continuously. So the first year that I was first runner up, um, I this is going to sound so so weird, but so I had a dream like maybe the week before the pageant that I was first runner up on the right side of the stage to a girl in a white dress. And that's <laughs> exactly what Hannah was <laughs> twice to a girl in a white dress. I was first runner up twice to a girl in the white dress on the right side. So I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm done with these drinks. But, um, so the first year I, or the second year I came back and I was like, I'm going to win this. I don't care. I'm going to keep my mindset. I mean, I was like, way too skinny. I was like way too cocky about it. Like I just, I wasn't me. And I was so mad at myself. Like after the fact that I was just like, Taylor, like that wasn't you out there. Like you're not this person that's supposed to be like all sexy on stage. Like you're fun and you're bubbly. And that didn't come about on stage. So that's why I was like, all right. So the next year I was like, I'm going to go. I've chopped all my hair off. (laughs) Like, my hair was very long. I, I chopped it all off. I was like, I'm going to wear the dress I want. My hair is going to be straight. I'm going to talk about my business. And I went in there, and I had prayed. And I was like, the first year I competed, whenever I was first runner-up, I had asked God. I was like, make me Miss Alabama. Just that's all I want. Just make me Miss Alabama. And then the second year, when I went back with a completely different mindset, my mind was, God, if this is where you need me, show me. And if it's not, show me. So after I got up there, I had that feeling I was waiting on you to call Stillwaters. <laughs> had all those awards before I had Miss Congeniality, one swimsuit, one everything. I was like, all right, Tim, one more time. Just call Stillwaters one more time. And it, it, that after hearing not Stillwaters, I was honestly the, very, the second time very upset but I knew that there was something bigger that God was going to give me. And he did. And he showed me how much success my business has become. He has shown me so many things that we can't wait to announce that's going to be coming this year that I was like, if I would have been Miss Alabama, I wouldn't have had time nor these opportunities. So I like was perfectly fine with that for me. Walk me through that night because I I do remember you literally walked over to me. (laughs) And you were like, this one's oh, really, yeah. it just really hard. Yeah, you just yeah. bawled. And I, oh, I yeah. felt terrible and for you. How do you come to the, this, I guess, the mindset to get past it? And also, at that point, you decided to move on. I mean, that was it. Um, I'm very, I'm a very big person in, like, signs saying, like, that was a sign that I wasn't supposed to do it, like I said. So um, after that night, I was obviously, I mean, yeah, I cried backstage because it's not that I was mad. I wasn't mad at the judges. I wasn't mad at myself. I wasn't mad at Hannah. I wasn't mad at anybody, but it was just one of those that you're like, man, so close again that it was like, yeah, you're, you're disappointed. You're upset. And when I went back to my room, I cried again because I was just like, man, I was so close. Cause you are, you're a little heartbroken because the USA system is so like prestigious. It's so like in a high honor that for you to say like, I'm going to miss USA that it was something that was kind of heartbreaking. And I knew that I I really wanted it and it wasn't my time to have it. And I didn't know if I ever would have that time. So that night I like read a devotional and it literally said in it, this is not my way for you. And in that moment I was like, all right, so sucked it up buttercup. And we moved on. Like, I just knew like there was something that was like, this wasn't your time. It was Hannah's and Hannah's. Yeah, I know. Both girls that beat you both named Hannah. How, what's the chances of that? Yeah, both named Hannah and both in a white dress. So that's yeah. what I always tell people. I'm like, yep, I'm the one that was a two-time first runner up to a Hannah in a white dress, <laughs> which was funny because the year Hannah B won, there is a literal photo of me, Hannah B, 
and Hannah McMurphy like backstage together. I'm like, there's me and the winners. <laughs> so it was fun to find those. Well, you move on from pageantry. Um, obviously, uh, you graduate from Auburn with a degree in fashion merchandising. Um, what most people do know you for is not pageants. It's for your business, so, which is called the Tiny Closet. Right. We talked about the bus earlier, but I guess take me back to the genesis of when you decided, I'm going to start a business, and this is what it's going to look like, and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, so uh, um, my grandfather actually was vice president for 40, 45 years at Vanity Fair. So I had, we've had a fashion like in our blood like from the beginning. So my grandfather and my grandmother both worked at Vanity Fair. That's where they met, fell in love, and had mom. So mom was actually, um, she graduated from Auburn University as well and with a degree in fashion. So we all have kind of had that like mindset of some type of retail. And I went to mom and I was like, I want a store. Let's, Let's do this. And she was like, why? I was like, I just really want to do it. And so in the beginning of our business, to me, and I told people this, I was like, I was so focused on like, yeah, the cutest clothes. Yeah, this is money. Yeah, let's just make more money. Like that was my focus. And then when I realized the impact that we're giving to these women that wear our clothes, it changed into something so much more. So it stopped being about an income and rather that, but more so an impact on people. And I tell people that all the time. I'm like, I am so much more concerned about how these women are feeling in our outfits and what they can do in our outfits rather than just being like, yeah, here's a shirt. Where's my money? So that's where the whole CEO that your parents always wanted you to marry was because I've talked about this in pageants. I've told people this all the time that when I was younger, I was in a very bad abusive relationship with a boyfriend. And there were many a times that I could not wear certain outfits because he didn't like them or it was the color he didn't like. Like it was just a very hurtful thing. Like I couldn't wear certain clothes and I hated that feeling. I hated the feeling of not being able to express myself and not knowing like what to do. And so whenever we were thinking about our mission statement, I was like, be the CEO your parents wanted you to marry. They were like, what? I was like, I want people to feel like a CEO. I want people to feel empowered. I want these women to put on a cheetah jacket and go to that business meeting and ask for that promotion. I want people to put those clothes on and be like, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do this blog and not be scared because whenever you put on something empowering, you're like, yes, it's almost like a superpower suit. You put it on and like, you're ready. You're ready to take on the world. So that's where we are with our business. We want people to feel empowered. We want them to feel beautiful and we want to really make an impact on them. Now, I'm going to ask the next question, being an entrepreneur myself. I've been broke twice in my life. I've also built two seven-figure businesses, so I know the extremes on both ends. When you sat down and really said, I want to create a business, did you have a mentor who was able to walk you through all the detailed processes of all the back stuff that you don't hear about a business? So my dad has always been like in companies. He's always understood business. He He's never been like that entrepreneur part of it, so I've never really had somebody to say, hey, what do I do here? Um, Does this make sense? It's always been kind of a trial and error with us. And I feel like I learn more when I don't have all the answers that I'm like, okay, that didn't work. What can we do to change it up rather than like, oh, give me the answers. Like, when am I supposed to do this? Because our customers, like I'm very real on social media. If I'm having a bad day, everybody's going to know it. Because I'm like, that's very relatable. Like, Like, I will literally get on there and be like, Hey, you guys, I'm having a panic attack. What's everybody else doing on a Monday? Like we, we're very real with our customers and they're able to relate so much more. So they're able to come to us. So whenever we're struggling, I'm asking everybody, like, what do you want to see? What do you see? But I'm also a big like people watcher. And that sounds so creepy when I tell people that I'm like, no, I don't watch people. (laughs) But I, I like, I'm very observative, if that makes sense. Like if, I'm scrolling through somebody's website. I'm like, why did I not want to buy that outfit? Was it the photo of it? Was it the girl that was in it? Was it the price? Like, I'm very observative in everything that I do. And I ask people, I'm like, if they want to return something, I'm like, hey, can do you mind me asking you why? Was it not the quality you thought? Was it the price of it? And a lot of times our customers will say, yeah, this was the reason. I'm like, okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate your feedback. So I like love a trial and error kind of thing, because if someone just gives you all the answers, that's not fun. So when you started your business, take me to the very first time that you ran into a humongous obstacle. 
and how did you handle it? So our biggest obstacle with um, boutique buying and being small business with clothes is overbuying. So when you buy a pack of clothes, if I get one shirt, um, it could be wholesaled at $10, but I have to sell that for $20 because you usually double the price. Some boutiques do it differently. They may triple it, but um, you get a pack of six, six to eight pieces. So if that shirt is $10, I'm paying for a pack of them for $60 plus shipping and handling, which could be close to around like $140. So that's for one shirt that I have to potentially try to sell. So in our mind, we were like, oh, well, two smalls doesn't sound like a lot of stuff. And I know I can sell two smalls. So we bought more than one pack right out of the bat. All of a sudden, we have all this inventory that nobody wants. And now it's old and it's been on the rack too long. So that was in the beginning our hardest thing to say, okay, well, let's buy a bunch of these and see if they sell when our cash flow wasn't moving. So our biggest obstacle thus far was in the beginning, the cash flow and trying not to overbuy. And then, of course, the buses sometimes are big obstacles (laughs) (laughs) because those have a mind of their own. I'm sure they do. And I'm sure there's a lot of fixing involved. I do. Let's take a a step back even further because... I think a lot of people, um, they look up to you and they admire you. You're an entrepreneur who's, you know, being successful and doing things. Let's go back to the very beginning, though. Did you approach it from a very uh, academic standpoint where you wrote up a very formal business plan? You applied for a loan. How did you actually start the business, number one, legally? And then number two, where did you get your funding to begin? So we were very blessed, like I said, that my grandfather, um, he was VP of Vanity Fair. And he was one of those people that anytime he got a paycheck, he would split it in half and half of it would go into savings and the other half they would live off of. Mm -hmm. So he had a ton of money saved and he only had four grandkids. He had a ton of money saved and he also um, invested in a lot of stock. So when he passed, he gave us kind of like, not trust funds, but we had our own savings account. And the only way we were allowed to spend that money was we had to invest in it. Whether you put all of your account into stocks, if you bought it, you started a business. My brother at, um, was it 20 that he did? I think he used his account to buy a house and he rented out a house and had a whole process with that where I took my money and started in, um, started a business. So I had $10,000 from this account. So I never had to, I've never had to apply for a loan. We've never been in debt. With um, the business, we are trying our hardest not to ever have to take out a loan. If we don't have the money to do it, that means we're not supposed to do it. So I was very fortunate enough to be able to have a grandfather that said, I want you to invest in this. I don't want you just to have it and blow it. So that's what we did. We took $10,000. We went to market. We bought $3,000 worth of inventory. Everything else was spent on like a computer so we could do it on a very small camera so we could take photos and like some racks. And we said, all right, let's do this. And if you are in the business world of like clothes, $2,000 on inventory is not a bunch of money. <laughs> like it's not <laughs> enough inventory. It's like, it's probably four things that but we it's started a start, with. But it's a start. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we did. We started and we said, all right, let's do this. Mom did everything that was the legal part of it. She did the um, partnership of it because Mom is actually part partner because if for some reason something ever happened to me, she would take full control of it legally. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's, it was, it was a lot, a lot. So when people ask me like, Oh, well, what did you legally do? I'm like, that was three years ago. I don't even remember the process we went through. Well, look, I, I, I got to tell you, I do admire the financial discipline part of, you know, if we can't afford it, we don't buy it type thing. And, and we don't go for loans right. because I think that's where a lot of small businesses, you know, end up going bankrupt in the long run because they, Overinvests, they can't make they can't make up the difference, and they end up you know folding. Um, right. So let's now walk to uh, let's talk marketing and branding. Where did you come up with the name? Why Tiny Closet? Is there significance to that? So um, it all kind of goes full circle. But before that, so I tried my hand in blogging, like being an influencer. Before that was like a really big thing, and I sucked. At it. I was terrible <laughs> how you, at How would you really do? No, exactly. No, I really sucked at it. I had no idea what I was doing. I literally was like, let's take a photo and do this. Like, wh- and like not realizing like how you're supposed to do it and all this kind of stuff. I'm, I, if I feel like if I knew what I knew now back then, I probably would be successful at it, but I was terrible at it. But I had a blog and it was called The Tiny Blonde. 
and it is still a website. So if you go find it, don't laugh at me. Uh, it's called The Tiny Blonde. And my like outfit section of my blog was called The Tiny Closet. So I was like, oh, well, let's go with that. Like I'm, I'm the tiny blonde because people knew me as the tiny blonde. So they were like, okay, let's do that. So we did that. We started the business. And then a year in, I was like, let's get a bus. So then we realized we were like, oh, instead of a tiny house, we have a tiny closet inside of a bus. And what's even funnier about it, when my grandfather, that he was part of Vanity Fair when he was 14, he used to drive the school bus whenever everybody, like all the adults were like working in the war and everything. So he drove a school bus. So it kind of all went full circle. He helped me invest in it. We started the business. He drove a school bus. We now have a school bus. So it was, it was really, really cool. But that's really how the name started. Do you tell people that story in your marketing? I love that story. Oh, yeah. So we're actually redoing our website, and it's going to like launch on our birthday, which is February 10th. We'll be three years old, and we have got an entire spot that has everything on it. Because people have asked me, they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And I'm like, I know. I probably should say it more. <laughs> but, yeah, that's exactly how everything got started. Well, then let's talk about marketing because, you know, outside of the fact that, you know, how you select clothing and, and purchase is, you know, probably the most important thing in your business. Um, oh, right, yeah. right behind it, the second most important thing is how are people finding you? How do people know about you? Now, I, I see that you do a ton of Instagram. Is that the only avenue that you use to do marketing? So we have, because we are so, we still consider ourselves very new, even though it's been three years. There's still a lot of things that I'm learning marketing wise and where everything needs to go. So we're very cautious about where things are because there is marketing on other parts of social media. Like Facebook is a very big part of it. Google ads and like keywords and SEO and like everything is very expensive. So you could be, it could be very dangerous in a way for you to say, okay, well let me run this Facebook ad and you not understand how to run them because they're very complicated where all of a sudden you have a bill of $600 yep. and you're like, Oh, okay. So now we do have a company that we've brought in that they do that for me because they know it frontwards, backwards, side to side about Facebook ads, the business part of running ads through Google and Facebook and um, retargeting our website back to them. So like we call them stalker ads. So like you could go to our website and then you log off of it and then you go to Facebook and all of a sudden there we are again. Yep. You got your pixel um, up. That's so, right. right. So we have all of that happening. So they really have helped us and we meet with them every single month and they show us like our conversions. They show us like, this is what works. This is how much money was spent on this. This is the kind of ad that works for us. Can you do this kind of content so we can put it there? Because, and I honestly, I really don't know a bunch about Facebook. I know way more about Instagram than I do Facebook. So a lot of our time and energy has always been into Instagram. So we're trying to do both now because we're bringing more people onto our team. So that way we can really focus on more avenues of marketing rather than just Instagram, because if all of a sudden Instagram dies, I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> we tried. Well, and uh, you know, I, th I think that's good. That you, so your target demo, I would guess, is what, like 18 to 30, somewhere in there, women? Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty so much. Instagram's definitely where you want to be. And the other thing, and, and I'm sure you know this, but this is, since I've been in this game so long, I've, I literally did it with my wife's hair salon, and then I've done it with an organic healthy meal delivery business. Google is what's called an intent audience. Right. If somebody is looking for a specific type of clothing, they're going to go to Google and type in, hey, Google, you know, uh, I'm looking Pinterest. for, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. However, Facebook and Instagram are what's called impulse audiences. You don't go on Facebook and Instagram because you want to buy something. You're just there and it happens to right. pop up and you see it and you go, oh, that's interesting. I'll click on it. That's an impulse buy. Right. So would you consider your audience an impulse audience or an intent audience? We try. I feel like it's a little, we have some customers that are so incredibly loyal to us that they literally will come back to our website. Like every single time we have new arrivals, they know exactly like, Hey, I want this. Or we'll even have our customers. Like we've had people that go into other stores, take photos of it, take photos of the tag of it, send it to us and say, do you happen to know if you're getting this anytime soon? Because I want to buy it from you. And I'm like, yes, no, maybe blah, blah, blah. And then, but we do have people that we do consider an impulse because that's kind of what we do like with our pop-ups. You don't intend for a pink school bus to be there, <laughs> but 
once you see it, you're like, I have to get something in here. So that was our whole idea with the bus is that we want people to have an experience. And if they're like, oh, my God, I need something to remember this rather than just a photo. They're like, I want to buy something. I need to remember this. And I'm like, cool. Thanks. Well, I love the story behind the bus with your grandfather and then just what you were going to do with it. I guess I'm interested in, you know, in, you, know you and I are talking business, businessman to businesswoman here. When you looked at the bus and you thought that would be really cool, of course, you had to sit down and think about, okay, how much is the bus going to cost? How much is the upkeep going to be on it? What am I going to do with right. it? How am I going to pay back the investment on it? Um, I'd love for you to kind of walk me through how you were going to get ROI on your bus. I knew that I wanted something whenever we were like, all right, let's, I want to go mobile, but everybody had um, Airstreams, they had step vans. And I was like, it's not happening. I was like, we need something. And those, let me tell you something, step vans and Airstreams, they're very expensive. Very. And like trying to renovate it. I mean, they're very expensive. So honestly, our 40 foot school bus was in total $3,000. And that was it for it. Like they were like, yeah, sure. Here's a, not, it wasn't brand new. But after like people, after schools have used it for so many miles, they have to get rid of them. So, I mean, we still had like a great mileage on it, but they have to take out the light. They have to spray paint the side of it for the school so you can't see the school. Because apparently they were like, we had no idea. They're like, yeah, we don't want people buying school buses and then showing up to schools to pick people up. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. So when sad, we got it, I mean, it was to. obviously, it was, yeah. And so what was really nice about it too, my dad is very he's a handyman and he loves projects like that. Like he has um, was a 67 Camaro that he like completely redid. He's done that three different times with three different cars. So when I told him I wanted a bus, he was like, yes, please give me a project. So it would have probably cost us close to $20,000 to redo the entire inside when my dad did it all himself, that it didn't, we didn't have to pay somebody else like all this money. Like in total, we probably spent around five to $7,000 redoing the inside because he is the one that did it all. When so say, it was it was really cool. When you say you travel around and you do pop-ups with it, define traveling around. Are you just going around local Alabama? Are you going all over the country? Where, where are you going? Oh, no. we as, as far as the bus can get and not completely like <laughs> break down, like we, um, the one time we did try to take it all the way to Kentucky and before we could even get out of our hometown, the bus literally was like, no. So we were trying to get to Kentucky, but we have been to North Carolina. We've been South Carolina. We've been to Texas. We've been to Georgia, Tennessee, uh, Mississippi. I mean, we've kind of been all around the Southeast and that's as far as we'll go with the bus. But I mean, I have people that are literally like in California that are saying, please, please, please have a pop up here, ship all your stuff and then just pop up somewhere. So people all over the place, but I've had people like, Oh my God, bring the bus to San Diego. I'm like, it would not make it there. I can guarantee you. And by the time we did that, we would all literally kill each other in this bus for that far of a drive. And how do you define like, how you do no pop-ups? Way. So do you get on social media and say, hey, we're coming to, uh, you know, Nashville, Tennessee, as an example, and people kind of show up like kind of like a food truck type of marketing? Or is that is that how you approach it? Well, there's it? actually... There's a lot of actual markets. So there are, there's one called Girl Tribe and it's a lot. So Girl Tribe is a like woman-based owned pop-up. So it's all women-based. It's all women entrepreneurs that they bring to one space and they have an entire team that markets it around. They do that in Georgia, North Carolina, um, South Carolina, Florida, and Tennessee. So we do those every year. And then there's obviously like the junior league markets. There is um, like we've had people, the Southern Women Show, like we've had a lot of people also like say, hey, can you come to our business and set up your truck? I'm like, sure. So we collaborate with like other kind of businesses. Like we did like a dressing store or a um, formal wear store in Mississippi that was like, hey, Miss Mississippi USA, um, orientation is this weekend and everyone has to come back to our store. Do you want to come set up? We're like, sure. So it's nice whenever there are people that like want you places and it's not a ton of like, Hey, can we come set up? Like, we'd love to find a place, but it's more like people being like, Hey, we'd love to have you here. I'm like, cool. I'm on my way. So you're a few years in, how do you feel like you're doing? I mean, from your own standpoint, I'm, I'm sure you're very hard on yourself. You know, I, as an entrepreneur, oh, yeah. we have to be. But, you know, do you feel like you're successful yet or you still feel like, you know, we're, we're in that growing stage? Um, There are different times. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm very successful at what I do. And then there's other times where I'm like, 
man, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I am very hard on myself sometimes because I look up to a lot of like the big, like multi-million dollar boutiques, like red dress, um, Philly flair. Um, what's another one there? Uh, Pink Lily. Like there's a ton of boutiques that they are like multi-million dollar businesses. And of course I see like them on Instagram. I interact with them. Like we talk back and forth. Like they've been some incredible people to ask questions. Uh, Diana, the owner of Red Dress, she has always, like she was on Shark Tank and she like had to deal with Mark Cuban, but she is one of the nicest people I've ever met. And anytime I have a question, I'm able to be like, hey, does this make sense? And she's always been very encouraging to me. And um, so there are times that I'm like, man, they're out here like designing their own clothes or doing this. But I have to remember like, oh, they're 12 years in. <laughs> I'm three. I'm still a baby. So there are times that I have to really step back. And it's great because my support system, Blake, my parents, my brother, my employees, I mean, they've all just been like, Taylor, you're killing it at 25. Like these people started like when you were senior in high school, like it's okay. Just breathe. You can do this. Quit looking at everybody's Instagram, quit looking at their sales. It's okay. Like focus on you. So there have been times that I've had to literally step back, turn my phone off and be like, I cannot look at anybody's story or anything. So is that your vision to grow into one of those companies where you're, you know, you're a multi-million dollar boutique? I would absolutely love to get to that point because one, we can reach a higher amount of women, not just because like, oh my God, we're making like millions of dollars and I can go buy a new Chanel bag, blah, blah, blah. It's not about that. It's really about being able to help these women. I mean, we, we really have had people that, I mean, they've told us like, yeah, like I can only afford like three things or like one thing from your store, like a month, but I really want to support you. So I'm literally like sending them anything that I can, because I'm like, I just want to help. I just want you to feel incredible. So that's why I was like, if we got to that point, I would always still want to like really, really give back because we, I mean, even just three years in, like anything that is still brand new that maybe is out of season or we couldn't sell it. Like there are some things that you could literally set down for $5 and people still don't want it. And I'm like, please get this out of here. But with those clothes, those brand new items, we donate them to a battered women's shelter. So that way these women can have brand new clothes and not just hand-me-downs. So to get, yeah. So we actually are um, in the process of starting an organization where we're able to do that and like go take the bus to set up to, battered women's uh, centers because mom actually used to work at one when she was younger. And um, I asked her, I was like, so how, how do they get their clothes? And she was like, Oh, well, we used to put them in trash bags and just hand them to them. And I'm like, so they don't even like, they can't even go like to TJ Maxx and like get clothes or they can't go to a boutique because they're in a shelter. And she was like, yeah. So I was like, I want to change that. So we're in the process of working with other boutiques and anything that is like they're out of season and they're trying to donate we want to be able to go and set the bus up and have those women in the shelter come in and shop. So that way they can get all these clothes for free, but they still get that experience of shopping. Well, I love what you're doing. And it sounds it sounds like a success. I mean, and it not only is a success, I mean, just the way you talk about it, I can definitely tell it's, it's a big passion and that you seem to be doing really well with it. Um, <clears throat> let's do a little exercise real quick. Um, I think you and I can help others. Um, maybe if they want to start a business, if they want to do something. Um, right. It's something that I talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, when, when the new year came about was I was telling people, you know, you got to have a why behind what you do, whether that's yeah. competing in pageants Always. or running a business or whatever. I'm going to share my why between behind one of my businesses and then I want you to share your why. So one of my businesses is uh, it's with a partner. Uh, it's in St. Louis. It's called uh, Pure Plates. It's an organic, healthy meal delivery business. And the big why for me behind that business is the fact that my dad had diabetes for 20 years. He had type 2 diabetes. Um, he ended up losing both of his legs below the knee. He had a quadruple bypass and a brain stroke. And I lost him this past year. And when we had started that business, my whole goal was that I don't want people to go through what my dad went through because he wasn't a very disciplined eater. My dad was a big guy, big football player, you know, ate all the junk, um, you know, was a tough guy, you know, he could run through a wall. And eventually, right. you know, eating bad t- took over and, and it took him down. And I just hated to see that because I think, you know, what I did see in the last few years is that we actually fed him the food that we were creating and it helped probably prolong his life a couple of years, to be honest. And when I saw wow. that, it was just like, this is why we're doing this. Not to make money, not to build a brand. It was just about, I want to help people eat better and make it easy for them because a lot of people just don't know how. So that was my why. Right. 
When you created Tiny Closet, what was the why? Well, I think that's what I mentioned earlier was that I was in a very hard relationship when I was, I was 14 years old whenever I was in a very physical and emotionally abusive relationship with a boyfriend. And like I said, that I couldn't, I couldn't wear certain clothes because I was put down every single day. I was uh, punished if there was like, um, like when I used to go to the pool, I had to wear t-shirts. I couldn't wear a swimsuit. And I was just very like, just put down every single day in that relationship. And luckily I am officially out of that relationship. I never have to deal with that again. And I know exactly who I am, but I remember those moments of putting something on and saying, I hate this. I hate who I am. I hate what I look like. I don't feel good in this huge t-shirt and these oversized pants that don't fit me. I don't feel confident about myself. So our why here at the tiny closet is to make women feel empowered, to put something on, like I said, and to really take on the world that you don't have to be defined by your past, that you can be who you are because of your past. I mean, I really don't think I would be as strong and independent of a person if I didn't go through those hard times. So we really want to focus on making women feel incredible. I mean, we have had so many parents that are like their moms and they're just like, I can't afford this. I can't do this. I don't know how to wear. How do I do this? I want to feel good about myself. And I'm literally like, okay, well, let me never met these people before. I'm like, let me get on FaceTime with you and let me, let me help you style. Like you're in another state, but let me help. Because like I told you earlier that I would much rather make an impact than an income because that's what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Not just being like, oh yeah, well, let me sit back and let the cash roll in. I'm having way more fun and having so much more of a great time in my job, being able to help other women feel like the CEO. Well said. I love that. That is fantastic. Um, real quick, what did you take from pageants that you've been able to apply to being a business owner? So like I said, when I was in that relationship, it was uh, before I did pageants. So I did not know how to talk to people. I was a very shy person before pageants, like when I was 16. I wouldn't um, order for myself at a drive-thru. I had to make the person that was in the passenger seat do it. So with pageants, it was great because I was really able to come into my own self and say, you can do this. You're a very independent person. You know how to talk to people. You know how to network. You go into interviews all the time. I actually spoke in front of a business conference in front of 770 boutique owners at the age of 24 and talked about business. And I was like, if I didn't do pageants and know that on stage question, there is no way I would have been able to pick up that microphone and speak. So I would have, I would have I never like, known that. I, I would have never thought that just knowing you, that you what, were that scared I was quiet? to speak. Yeah, no, you're not quiet. Uh, you know, Terrified. No, not at all. I know. I'm probably <laughs> way louder than anybody that I've ever met. Like there's times they're like, Shh. I'm like, I don't realize how loud I am. Okay. I can't hear. <laughs> so yeah, but I was terrified. So pageants really, really boosted my confidence and made me say like, if I can get on stage in a swimsuit or I can talk about whatever I want on an onstage question in front of all of these people and get judged for it. I think I can do that in my everyday life. One last question, then we'll get into your get to know you questions. As okay. an entrepreneur, um, a young woman in her you know, early to mid-20s starting a business, uh, give some advice to those girls listening or those women listening uh, that are thinking about doing the same thing but haven't make, made the jump yet. Do it. You will never know until you do it. And I have told people this so many times that there was a thing that I listened to that Will Smith was talking about, and it was about skydiving. And you may have seen this before, but he talks about how the scariest part is working up to it, putting on that backpack, walking up to the plane, having the plane take off. And you're like, I can't do this. There's no way that anticipation of like, I can't do this. They open the plane doors. You're about to jump. They count to three. And all of a sudden you are soaring over all of the beauty that you see. And you would have never known how beautiful that that could be after that fear of not jumping out of the plane. So I tell people all the time, I was like, I skydive for a living. <laughs> I jump out of planes and we take risks and we see what happens once we jump out of the plane. I think I have so seen, that's why I've always told people, I was like, do it. I think it's a goal cast video. No, I think it is. I remember seeing it and I was like, wow, I've never, I'm terrified of heights. So I will not literally ever go skydiving. But tech, like mentally, I skydive. Like we jump out all the time. So that's what I've always told people. I was like, just do it. If it fails, guess what? Start again. Do with something else. I tried to blog. Didn't work. 
tried something else. Like there's a ton of stuff I've tried to do and it didn't work out. So I'm like, you never know till you jump. Well, and I tell people, I'm like, just do it. And, and let me say this to those of you listening. She's in her, what, mid, you're 24, 25. I just turned 25. Okay. So you're 25. I can tell you as somebody who is in his forties now as an entrepreneur, it is a lot easier to take risks when you're young and you don't have a family, you don't have a, a marriage yet. And you're just on your own. You know, if you take a risk, you're the right. one that falls and that's it. I can promise you when you get everybody else involved, it's a lot harder to take those risks later yeah. on. So <laughs> I encourage you do it now. Take the risks. Fail if you have to. Go broke. Whatever it takes. You're, you're going to go through those things, but do it early. Right. I promise you, you will thank yourself when you're my right. age and going, thank God I did it back then. <laughs> All right. So you're ready for your get to know you questions. We got 10 of them. And these are, by the way, the exact same 10 that I used on Olivia Jordan. Ooh. Ooh. You ready? Let's hear it. All right. Here we go. Number one, on a scale of one to 10, how weird are you? It depends, I guess, on what you mean by weird. Like I can be a very strange person. So I'll give myself a 10 because I think I'm very strange and have a very weird sense of humor sometimes. So I'm a 10, always a 10. Right. Number two, what are you not very good at? Singing, dancing. I have no rhythm. I have no rhythm. I have no, like, I can't sing on key. Terrible at it. Number three, tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. I think I'm funny. I think I'm hilarious. And there are times people are like, you're not very funny. So I think I'm hilarious. Number four. Your room, your desk, or your car, which would you clean first? My desk. I have to have a, like, productive thing. Like, I literally all the time, like, the people, like, the employees here, they're literally like, hey, like, quick cleaning. Because I'm like, it could, I'm like, if I don't have the space to, like, create, I will go crazy. My car is probably the messiest thing because as soon as I get in it, I throw everything to the back and then forget about it. So it's like a black hole. So it's my desk. Number five, which would you pick of these three? Number one, being world-class attractive. Number two, a genius. Or number three, famous for doing something great. Famous for doing something great. I think that more people look at you and like actually know that you've done something great rather than being like, oh my God, you're so pretty. And that's all that you're known for. I'd rather be known for like solving world hunger than being like, oh my God, you're a Kardashian. Number six, what was your favorite toy growing up? Oh, I actually have. I still have it. I had a um, stuffed animal that's a Dalmatian, and his name is Dalmatian. So I still have it. <laughs> Dalmatian the stuffed Very animal. creative name. Yeah, his name is Dalmatian, and he's a Dalmatian. Very creative. Number seven, who would you like to live like for a day? I would actually love to live like... Who is, is it? Mark? No, it's not Mark Cuban. I'm trying to think of who... Elon Who Musk. I want to live like? Yes, him. That's his name because his creativity is ridiculous. He's got Tesla. Like, he, he built PayPal. He's done the SpaceX rocket. He, I did not realize he built PayPal. I did he, not know that. He built it with a partner and sold it. Wow. That's where I think, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's where he got some of the money to start Tesla. See, I want to, that's my mom car. I want a mom Tesla because they don't roll. So if there was like a wreck, like I'm not rolling. The car won't roll over on itself. All right, number eight. If you could be an Olympic athlete, in what sport would you want to compete? Gymnast. I'm going to be a, like, I would love to be a gymnast, but I am terrified of, I can't do that mind part of like throwing my body backwards. Like that terrifies me to think like, oh yeah, just let me like completely throw my entire body over my head and like land perfectly. Like if I could do that and again, have rhythm to do like floor exercise, like competitions, that'd be great. Can't do it. Would love to, but can't. Number nine. I think I know the answer to this one, but who is the funniest person that you know? Me. I'm the funniest I person I know. Me, I think I'm hilarious. There are times that I will sit there and laugh at myself and not be able to even get a joke out. Last one, number 10. When you're having a bad day, what do you do to make yourself feel better? I write. I actually have so many journals that I, um, I have like a business one, I have a personal one, I've got like a prayer one that I have to write it down so that way, um, in the future, I can go back and look at it and be like, see, 
you thought that that was the worst day ever. Like yesterday I was not having a bad day, but it was one of those times where I was like comparing myself and was really down. And I like had to write out and be like, Taylor, quit. Like it had to almost be like an out of mind, out of body experience where I was like telling myself, like you have to be nicer to yourself. You have to like, just go take a bubble bath and just breathe. Like I have to write to myself. So that way in the future I can come back and say, oh, okay, that wasn't that bad of a day. This is not nearly as bad as that day was. So I write when I'm having a bad day. All right, you are off the hook. Great job. Woohoo! Well, hey, awesome, awesome stuff that you have told everybody here about being an entrepreneur, about, you know, finishing runner-up in pageants and how to handle that and, and how to handle the emotions and just, you know, really becoming a successful young woman in her mid-20s. I mean, you're doing it. And I think a lot of people look up to you for that. Actually, I know they look up to you for that. So thanks for sharing the story and, and, and being open to, you know, sharing some of the more intimate stuff that we talked about. Oh, of course. I'm an open book. I like to talk. <laughs> so what? Where, where's uh, 2020 looking for, for Taylor and Tiny Closet right now? We're looking to expand. The office that we are currently in is way too small. We're trying to bring in more people onto the team because we did grow very, very fast. And we are trying to bring on more full-time. We're trying to bring on more interns, trying to just help people um, learn how to do what we do and just trying to expand more places, more traveling, getting bigger and better each and every year. So we're going to see what happens. We've got, like I said, the organization that we're trying to like really get started and get it into where it's very helpful to everybody. So hopefully that'll be bigger in 2020. But yeah, just trying to see what happens. And real quick before we go, I'll, I'll mention it at the end of the podcast for everybody. But would you tell everybody how to find uh, your shop? My shop is at Shop the Tiny Closet. And then my personal one is The Tiny Tank on Instagram. Yes. And then on Facebook, it's just The Tiny Closet Boutique. And then it's shopthetinycloset.com. Very good. You're awesome, Taylor. Thank you. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much less stressful than being on stage answering a question to you. So <laughs> this was this was cake. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Taylor Jones for her time. Now, like we said, if you want to follow her on social media, you can check out her personal Instagram. It's at the Tiny Tay, or check out her business Instagram at Shop the Tiny Closet, or you can go online to her website, shopthetinycloset.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of James 2.17. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Talk to you next week, everybody. Everybody.